protecting the cups. Um, I just wanted to say, I know today is Mother's Day, but there's two people here. We have Steve Maglinger that can make you laugh, and we have Steve Davis that can make you cry. So thank you both. Um, I'm going to be reading today from several different verses. Um, we'll start with Ecclesiastics 3, 7. A time to tear and a time... A time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. James 1:19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Exodus 14:14. 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Psalm 37:7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Psalm 62.5 For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Job 6.24 Teach me and I will be silent. Make me understand how I have gone astray. Psalm 131.2 but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Isaiah thirty-two seventeen, And the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. 1 Thessalonians four eleven, And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Psalm 46.10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I, um, I also want to wish you a happy Mother's Day, whether you're a mom or whether you love someone who's a mom. I hope this is a blessed day for you. Um, I want to start with some uh, Mother's Day humor, and I almost couldn't, quite frankly. When you start looking around for Mother's Day humor, most of it, quite frankly, is dreadful and makes you want to poke a hole in your eardrum. It's so awful, uh, corny. Uh, but anyway, hopefully this is a little bit better than that. I want to share with you some mom jokes from some of the funniest moms on the internet, from tweets, from quotes, uh, TikTok, all of that. Okay, the first one comes from Sarcastic Mommy 4, which I like her already. Um, I put my symptoms into WebMD. It turns out I just have kids. My 18-month-old just handed me her diaper, then peed on my feet. My seven-year-old has a lot of sass for someone who needed help getting out of her pants because she put both legs in the same hole. <laughs> okay, seven-year-old. Mommy, when were you born? Ten-year-old. In the 1900s. Me? Hey, that's not true. I'm not that old. Oh, I was born in 19, oh no, seven-year-old. Wow, you're like museum old. 
Pick my son up from the first day of in-person learning. I ask him how it went. My teacher's bald spot is a lot bigger in person. <laughs> my four-year-old, I love you so much I'm going to stay with you forever. Me, you shut your mouth right now. <laughs> four-year-old, that last one. Mom, was I in your tummy? Me, yep. Who's in there now? No one. Then why is it so big? Husband, oh no. <laughs> so there's this lie out there, and it goes something like this. Uh, you can make your life better and more meaningful simply by increasing the pace. Get more and more done, and more and more done, and more and more done. Then make more money, uh, have more stuff, more and more, faster, 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 faster. Except in real life, it doesn't work that way, does it? One day, uh, I was uh, in my I was in my car listening to the radio, and I heard this guy on the radio who who's a priest, and he was explaining why he had become a priest, and he said the logic of my life had become circular. I would get up in the morning to go to work uh, so that I could have enough money for an apartment and clothes to wear to work so that I could get up in the morning the next day and go to work so that I could have enough money for an apartment and clothes to go to work so that I could get up in the morning the next day and go to work. And you get the idea. And I doubt that uh, he was the only person who ever felt that he was going in circles in life. So at this point, uh, I want to share with you a section of an article that I found helpful, and then a great quote. And then we're going to dig into a text uh, that I believe is appropriate today. So this is the section from the helpful article, and it's a, a bit long. It's by a lady named Roki Zalani. Why we need to be present to enjoy. Why our we need lives. to be present to enjoy our lives, not just productive. I was high on productivity. I had one full-time job, two part-time jobs, and a side hustle. I'm dizzy just hearing that. I had one full-time job, two part-time jobs, and a side hustle. I was getting everything done. Sounds perfect, right? Then I started hating my life. I'd read enough books and articles to tell me that I, how I was not doing enough. Enough self-help gurus had told me that what I needed to do was max out every single hour I had to be minutely close to being successful. My coworkers often got intimidated by my jam-packed calendar. I don't exaggerate when I say that every minute of my life was scheduled, Sheldon-level scheduled with dictated bath, dedicated bathroom breaks and everything. I ran three to-do lists, daily, weekly, and monthly. This was my way of setting out for maximum efficiency. I said yes to my boss, so often, often I had become his favorite. Work-life balance? What's that? Tasks were flying off my list like never before. So many horizontal breakthroughs. I wore this as my badge of honor for a while, this art of getting it all done. And why not? I was rewarded for it with money, praise, promotions, awe. But then it didn't feel so great. I had become downright miserable. I don't claim that productivity is bad. Doing fulfilling work by minimizing distractions and getting deep focus is truly rewarding. But it is crucial to stop and question why you're doing what you're doing. It is necessary to pause and reflect on the value of your tasks and actions. 
Otherwise, productivity translates to useless busyness. When I became this productivity freak, I never stopped to ask uh, if any of the things I was doing were giving my life meaning. I was doing a demanding full-time job that didn't provide me any purpose. My days became a blur of mindless task completions. My mind, heart, and soul were absent from my work. Any given Monday didn't look so different from a Tuesday three weeks prior, and it wasn't even like I was happy. I was meeting all my deadlines, but I was spending no time with my family. There were enough accolades to prove all my achievements, but not enough art to fulfill my soul. I answered every email I received within 24 hours, but I hardly focused on long-term self-growth. On the outside, my life never looked better, but on the inside, I was worse than I had ever been. Distractions, schedules, irritability, and deadlines were the monsters that ruled my life. After a month-long burnout, I hit the problem nail in the head. I knew I needed to move on. But how? I resolved to take a calculated leap of faith. I found a client willing to pay me for my freelancing services for at least two to three months and made a thick emergency fund by cutting out my expenses. Then I quit the, I quit the unfulfilling full-time job and gave my heart to work I truly found meaning in. I stopped making productivity my goal. I opted to choose presence instead. I'm going to read that last part again. I stopped making productivity my goal. I opted to choose presence instead. I read Annie Dillard's The Writing Life, in which she memorably wrote, How We Spend Our Days is, of course. After reading this book, I realized that productivity would only be fruitful when coupled with presence. I knew then that presence was what would make my rewards meaningful. What is presence? Presence is the art of being in the moment, the luxury of pausing, the virtue of stillness. It is being alert, aware, and alive to this moment. And I'm going to stop there. I hope you can see why I found this article uh, meaningful and helpful. And I hope this segment of the article uh, is a, a good lead-in for our topic today. I think it is. We're looking today at a scripture that deals with what I think is a pretty unusual sermon topic, being present is greater than being productive. I know that being present may sound kind of vague at first, so I want to really explore this idea with you for a few minutes and uh, flesh this out a bit. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I told you that I had a section of an article and a quote. Here's the quote from Maria Popova. Presence is far more intricate and rewarding in art than productivity. Ours is a culture that measures our worth as human beings by our efficiency, our earnings, our ability to perform this or that. The cult of productivity has its place, but worshiping at its altar daily robs us of the very capacity for joy and wonder that makes life worth living. Luke chapter 10, and I'll begin reading in verse 38. This is my Mother's Day text this year. Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left, has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You may remember that three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, were close friends of Jesus. It appears that he would visit with them from time to time to get rest and respite from the heavy demands of ministry. And in our text today, Jesus is seen visiting with Mary and Martha. Martha's busy with the tasks associated with hospitality, preparations, the text says. Maybe she wanted the meal in the house to be just perfect for Jesus, which may not in and of itself be a bad thing at all. Hospitality uh, is, is a great value. But Mary, on the other hand, was sitting at the Lord's feet, hanging on his every word, listening intently to everything that Jesus said. Martha becomes resentful, frustrated with her sister. She complains to Jesus, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Martha's way of doing things, her busyness, had caused her to become upset, resentful. Jesus says she's worried and upset. The Bible text calls her distracted. She's worried, she's upset, she's distracted. And not only that, Martha wasn't content just by doing her hospitality thing her own way. She wanted to turn Mary into a Martha, didn't she? She, she wanted Mary to become like her, um, distracted, ups, upset, and frustrated. And here's something in life uh, interesting that I've noticed. The Marthas of this world, those who value productivity over being present, they aren't content just to make themselves overstressed and worried and upset. They often want to make everybody around them uh, adopt their same values so that they become overstressed and worried and distracted and upset. Jesus responds, Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has chosen it. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. It's possible to become so worried about all the stuff you have to do, your task list, that you can have a person right in front of you, a person precious to God, a person for whom Jesus died, and not really be with them not be really present. And it's possible to not just do that once, it's possible to do that as a way of life. Mary, who was truly present in the moment, who was with Jesus in a significant way, had made the wiser choice, and in Jesus' words, the better choice. Henry Miller said, on how one orients himself to the moment, depends the failure or fruitfulness of it. And yes, I borrowed a couple of quotes from our Thursday night class. On how one orients himself to the moment depends the failure or fruitfulness of it. Isn't that wise counsel? How do you position yourself toward the moments that make up your life? That's a big question, isn't it? 
And it's fair to say that life is full of tasks. We always have stuff to do, always, 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 and important stuff to do. There are bills to pay. There are mouths to feed. There are errands to run, always. That's not going away. That's not going to change. And the world rewards Martha's more than Mary's. The world rewards people who check tasks off their list more than people who are contemplative. The world values productivity, accomplishments, getting stuff done. And again, those things can be important. They are. Diapers still need to be changed. Uh, The kids still need to eat three times a day and even maybe a couple of snacks beyond that. And presumably, Jesus probably wanted to eat at some point that day. Uh, All of those are important. But God wants us to be in an intimate relationship with him even more than he wants us to be productive. I believe that. God wants, God wants you and he wants your heart even more than he wants your productivity, although productivity has value. Ultimately, more than anything, God wants a warm, intimate, personal, day-by-day relationship with us, with you, with you. He knows your name. God is about relationship. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He's paying attention to you. God has given you a life, and he wants you to live it in a way that is meaningful, filled with overflowing, filled to overflowing with meaning and purpose. I'm going I'm to say that again. God has given you your life, and he wants you to live it in a way that's meaningful, filled with meaning and purpose. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or in some translations say more abundantly, John 10.10. 10. Life to the full, abundant life. But if you're not careful, life can just kind of go by and, and pass you by. Uh, you can just kind of miss it. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been living life that way so that you're kind of missing it? God doesn't want, clearly God doesn't want that to happen if he said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, have it more abundantly. He doesn't want life to just pass you by. He, I believe God wants us to choose the better part like Mary, don't you think? If he commends Mary and tells Martha, you're, you're upset, worried about too many things. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. Again, that's from Annie Dillard. Why presence matters more than productivity. So I'm going to ask an application question uh, that I believe is important. What does it look like when we choose what is best in life? What does it look like in real life when when we're choosing the best And I imagine many of us would at least start with the same answer. Yes, of course it means that we're going to have a regular quiet time. We're going to stay in close communication with our Father. Uh, I I think that's probably the first answer for most of us, and I I think that is uh, a, a true answer and correct. But there may be more to it even than that. To live life the best way means that we consciously seek to bring honor and glory to God as we go through our days. Colossians 3.17, God's word says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We consciously are aware of God's presence in our life, and we consciously try to serve God with our day. We try to live in such a way that we bring him glory and honor. Uh, 
Ryder Henry Nowen uh, offers what I believe is a helpful pr perspective and breaks this down with some good questions. Did I offer peace today? Did I bring a smile to someone's face? Did I say words of healing? Did I let go of my anger and resentment? Did I forgive? Did I love? Nowen writes, these are the real questions. I must trust that the little bit of love I sow now will bring many fruits here in this world and in the life to come. Nowen also offered this uh, helpful observation. When I trust deeply that today God is truly with me and holds me safe in a divine embrace, guiding every one of my steps, I can let go of my anxious need to know how tomorrow will look or what will happen next month or next year. I can be fully where I am and pay attention to the many signs of God's love within me and around me. The idea of being present and living well, I believe is a very practical thing. It's not just something that's fuzzy. Living a life bathed in prayer, taking walks and paying attention to your surroundings, taking time to listen to the birds or to listen to a child's laughter, watching the sunset, gazing in wonder at the nighttime sky, taking time to pet a dog or cat or to smell the flowers, as cliche as that is, to savor your coffee, to read a good book, to pay attention to the people that God has put in your life. And a lot of this really boils down to the two greatest commandments in your life, loving God and loving people. We need to live in such a way that we're paying attention, and that we're purposeful. That's what Jesus did. I want you to think about Jesus life for a moment. Jesus had a brief three-year public ministry. Three years goes by pretty fast, doesn't it? Three short years to get everything accomplished. Three short years to get everything done that he needed to, to get done while he was on earth in his body. Yet he made time to get away for prayer habitually. He went to wedding feasts and uh, dinner parties the disciples thought Jesus was too busy and too important to make time for children. Jesus strongly disagreed. Jesus was fully present in the moments that made up his life. When he was with a person, he was truly with them. When people talked, Jesus listened to them. He didn't keep watch over their shoulders, scanning the room to find somebody more important to talk to. He was present. When people were hurting or in need, Jesus was attuned to that. And Jesus stayed in close touch with his Father so that God was truly guiding his steps. Let's talk to our Father together. Dear Father, thank you for the lives that you've given us. Help us to make the most of them so that we truly experience the abundant life, the life to the full uh, that you have given us and that you want us to have. Help us to be intentional about the way we live our lives so that they don't just pass us by. Help us to truly choose what is best. Through Christ our Lord we pray, and amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of encouragement. Um, you know, uh, if you have a need on your heart, if you want to make a public response to God today, uh, whatever your need is, you can just come to the front and let us.